Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Well, welcome back to our study of Proverbs, and I wish that um, I was sitting across a table from you rather than looking at a camera. Um, um, it would be such a blessing to dialogue with you, to, to talk about the book of Proverbs, to you could ask me questions, and, and maybe I could ask you questions, and maybe we could find some answers in the Word of God. But this is the best that we have, and um, I want it to be a blessing for you. Young person, listen to me. Everything depends upon your relationship with Jesus Christ and with his word. Now, we're in Proverbs chapter 3, and let's begin reading in verse 21. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. And please, you also pray. Pray that God will teach you wisdom, that he will open up your heart, open up your your eyes, your mind, to see wondrous things, wonderful things in the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for your word. And I pray, dear God, for those who are listening uh, to this brief teaching that, oh God, they would be blessed. Blessed to know Christ savingly. Blessed to love Him. Blessed to serve Him. Oh God, that their lives would be a wonder, that their their lives would be an offering unto You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So in verse 21, which we did in our last lesson, it says, uh, My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So we are to study it, and we are to treasure it, and we are to never let it go. And that requires repetition. That requires work. Studying the Word of God, Meditating upon the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, hearing the Word of God. Don't neglect that. Young person, listen to me. If you're in a biblical church where the scriptures are read and where the scriptures are expounded, you need to train yourself to listen. Yes, even Brother Paul, sometimes my mind wanders and I have to bring it back to center. I have to listen to the scripture reading, I have to train myself. 
And sometimes in the preaching, my mind can wander and I have to pull myself back to center and listen to what's being said. Not only is it our responsibility, it's our privilege. Now, here are some of the promises that wisdom gives us if we will guard it, keep it, keep it before our eyes. In verse 22, so they will be life to your soul. You know, so many people just simply exist. Do you realize that day to day? Maybe right now being young and you're thinking about the future and there's all kinds of exciting things. But later on, when you get older, you need to realize and you'll see this, that that most people simply exist. They, They don't have much of a purpose and therefore they don't have much motivation or drive. There's a saying that um, most people die 30 years before they're buried. And what it means is after, after youth and the vigor and excitement of youth is gone, they just simply go into existence mode. But for the believer, it's completely different. It's completely different. Um, I have more desire to live right now. I'm going to be uh, 59 in a few days. I have more desire and excitement about life right now than I did when I was younger, even than I did when I was a new believer. More excitement about what the Lord is doing. More excitement about the way He's changing me. More excitement about what He's doing in my family, in the world of missions. Um, The more I study His Word, the more confidence I have in Him. And then there's the relationship with, of course, Jesus Christ and the relationship with the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And so that it's not existence merely. It's not merely life, biological life. It is life abundant. And that comes from Jesus Christ, faith in Him, but also our relationship to Him in His Word. You may be saying, Brother Paul, every time it's just word, 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 word. Yes, you're understanding me then. All the greatest men and women of God that have done magnificent things and demonstrated magnificent devotion, do you realize that all of them have this, well, two real things in common, a devotion to the word and a devotion to prayer? Those are key. Your flesh is going to hate them, but they're key. Now, he goes on and he says, So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. There is a sense of beauty to wisdom. I, um, I, my son Ian just went away to Master's University. And, and of course, as a father, you know, I'm here in Virginia. He's living on, on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. And... I kept telling him, you know, for the months before his departure, that, Ian, there is beauty in wisdom. There is beauty in humility. And when we talked about, because those two things go together, so I would say, you know, if if someone brags about something, Even when they're able to do it, no one really appreciates them because they still realize they're a proud person. But if you're humble 
and you accomplish something great, they will be amazed. But what's even more important, if you're humble and you do not accomplish anything extraordinary, they will still greatly appreciate you. Wisdom brings humility, and humility has a beauty to it. I think we would all agree about the most, that probably the most ugly person on the planet is that person who is arrogant, full of arrogance, full of themselves. And that is the complete opposite of wisdom. Wisdom brings a quietness. Wisdom brings more than just things of the brain. It, it changes your, your character. It produces in you all kinds of virtue. And so that's why the more and more you study the book of Proverbs, the more and more you study all of the scriptures, it'll have a way of, of beautifying you, of, of making you pleasant, of making you the kind of person that, that people want to be around. Now, let me tell you a funny story, and I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I, I know a very, very old preacher. And uh, he's in his 90s. And when he was a very, very young preacher in his 20s, he met a very, very old woman, okay? Very old, who actually knew Charles Spurgeon. And that Charles Spurgeon, when she was a tiny little girl, would come over to their house to visit her father, and she would sit on Spurgeon's knee. Now, Spurgeon's probably... the greatest preacher that's ever lived since the apostles. And um, my friend, this old preacher, he, he asked, he said, um, what do you remember about Charles Spurgeon? And, uh, and she laughed and she said two things. Number one, he was the kindest man I have ever known. He was so full of kindness. And number two, he was the ugliest man I have ever seen. <laughs> and he meant physically. She meant physically. Now, the point of this is simply to say, look at this. Spurgeon was not necessarily an attractive man, but there was such a beauty about him, such a kindness about him. Uh, people traveled across the nation, across the continent, to hear him preach. Uh, I still have almost, I guess, probably all his books, all his commentaries, all his sermons. And, and there's a beauty in that. And, and, and what I want you to see, young, young people, is that, and I'm just going to say it straight out, there are physically beautiful people who, once you get to know them, are rather quite ugly and deformed. And there are, are people, uh, like most of us who are not uh, physically beautiful, but if we're wise, if we have discretion, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, there will be a beauty. There will be a beauty. Maybe a better word would be a sense of pleasantness about us, a winsomeness about us, an attractiveness about us. You are most ugly when you are most ungodly.
And you are most beautiful when you are most Christ-like. Never forget that. Never forget that. So, he goes on and he, he says, um, so they will be life to your soul. And, and uh, let me say something that I missed here. They will be life to your soul. Not just some superficial life, but a deep abiding life. A deep abiding joy. That, that even the, the circumstances of life can't really affect all that much. Because your life and your joy is not dependent upon circumstances, but it's dependent upon your immutable relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And His immutable, that means unchanging, faithfulness. Now, let's go on. It says in verse 23 that if you keep sound wisdom and discretion, then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. Without the Word of God, you're like someone walking in the dark. No, let me put it this way. Without the Word of God, you're like a blind man walking in the dark. No, let me put it this way. Without the Word of God, you're like a blind man walking in the dark through a minefield. And, and, and that's not very secure. That's not very secure. You know, throughout your life, you're going to have to make all kinds of decisions. Decisions about where you go to school. Decisions about who you marry. Decisions about work. Decisions about what church, what friendships, what relationships, what business projects. So everything. You're going to have to make all kinds of decisions. And the fact that you're going to meet so many different whys in the road tells you that there's uncertainty. There's insecurity because you can make a wrong decision somewhere. You really can. And it can have very harmful effects. So what the scriptures are saying in order to guard yourself and prepare yourself for these types of things, what do you need? You need wisdom and discretion. And where does it come from? The word of God. The word of God. He says, then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. That doesn't mean that you won't have difficulties doesn't mean there won't be trials. It doesn't mean that there won't be adversity from other persons, from other people. But what you need to understand, if you were as old as me, you would most certainly understand it. That my greatest problem are, is not circumstances. My greatest problem is not the adversity of other persons. My greatest problem is me. A lack of wisdom. A lack of Christ-likeness. And if I want that to change then I need to start on a very long road. And I've been on it for a long time and I need to continue on it. And that is the, the road of knowing God through His Word, through prayer. So verse 24, he says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, now remember what we talked about, about about the Old Testament written in Hebrew and the thing called Hebrew parallelisms, where you basically say the same thing twice. And the second time you say it either adds to what you've said prior or it defines it, makes it more clear. And so he's really trying to emphasize something here. In the time that this was written, there was a great deal of, of insecurity in the world. Um, 
And it, it, one of the places where you were most afraid was at nighttime. Just imagine this. There were no street lights. There was no lights in your home. There were just lamps um, with oil that would be difficult to light and, and didn't produce much light. And so most of the crimes, most of the tax, most of the things that were done in sin and harmful to other people were done at night. Do you see that? And so nighttime, and then when is the time you are most vulnerable? When you are asleep and someone can sneak up on you. So what it's saying is in those times when you are most vulnerable, when you're, you're most open and exposed to danger, you will not be afraid and your sleep will be sweet. Now, I want to talk about two things here. First of all, the main reason why the Christian is not afraid. You need to understand that it's not because of our superior knowledge or wisdom or even our obedience. The main reason the Christian is not afraid is the sovereignty of God. Another word we use is providence, the providence of God. And as I have grown and as I have passed through many, many difficult situations, oh, I do appreciate the love of God. And that love of God makes me strong. But twin with that, right beside that love of God, is the sovereignty of God. You know, I wouldn't have much courage if God loved me perfectly but wasn't strong enough to keep me, wasn't strong enough to guard me, wasn't strong enough to protect me. Oh, he would want so many good things for me, but he's just not able to do it. I would appreciate his love, but I would still be afraid because even though he loved me, he couldn't protect me from everything. But see, that's not the case. The God who loves me is sovereign over my life. He doesn't sleep. I need to sleep. He doesn't sleep. He's always vigilant, always watching. And you say, but Brother Paul, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Well, yes, that's true. But here's what you need to understand. Whatever evil enters into my life has been filtered through the sovereignty of God. That God is somehow allowing it for my good. And so therefore I can sleep. Do you see that? It is so very important. So first of all, it's knowing that if I am a child of God, He is sovereign over everything in my life. I've heard stories of missionaries who were confronted by armies and confronted by terrorists and, and different robbers and thieves, and they have boasted and said, we're going to kill you, and the missionary would respond, you're not going to do anything unless God permits it. And if God permits it, I'm okay with it. Do you see the strength that comes from the sovereignty of God? You know, like Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Reshach, Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar said, we're, if you don't bow down, we're going to throw you in the fire. He goes, you may throw us in the fire and you may burn us up, but we're not bowing down. They weren't absolutely certain God was going to save them. They knew God would if he wanted to, but they weren't going to bow down. But they had the strength of God's sovereignty that nothing was going to happen to them that God did not permit. And since God is loving, whatever he permitted would be for their eternal good. So you're secure primarily because of the sovereignty of God. 
I love that doctrine. Now, secondly, we're secure in a practical way. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I knew a guy that that uh, I, I counseled, and he just was always getting beat up. I mean, he was always getting physically beat up. And and I told him, I said, do you know how to stop this? Stop going to the places where you can get beat up. Stop hanging around people who are violent people. Now, the point that I'm trying to make here is we also have a responsibility. If you're walking in ungodliness and walking in sin and entering into relationships with people you shouldn't be entering into with, then you're opening yourself up to danger. You see, the Word of God is given to protect us, to help us navigate through that minefield. So if, I, if, I'm, frequently, if, if I'm frequently with groups of, of guys who just love to fight and betray one another and get drunk and do crazy things, then I can ex- pretty expect that I'm not going to sleep very securely. So I can't just say sovereignty of God. I've also got to realize I have a responsibility. And that is to learn the word of God so that I know how to navigate through this life. So he says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, let's go just really quickly through the rest of this because we've kind of touched on it already. It says, do not be afraid of sudden fear. Basically, the idea is don't be afraid of something that's just going to come upon you immediately. You know, that's something that as you get older, you begin to see, especially when you have children, that if I'm driving my car and there's a yellow line that says do not pass because there's a curve, that's pretty wise, isn't it? Because I can't see around that curve. I don't know what's coming around that curve. Well, if I'm so small that I don't even know what's coming around a curve, I sure don't know what's coming around the next curve of my life or what's going to happen next year or three years from now or what's going to happen to the mission or my family or my son or my wife or me. I have no idea and I have really no control over it, you see. And something could just, I mean, I could come into the office one day, this has happened, thinking, man, I'm going to do some studies, I'm going to do this, I'm going to meet with people, and then some tragedy happens to a missionary somewhere that we weren't expecting at all, and the whole day or the whole week is given to solving that problem or taking care of of some tragic event. You see, you and I, we're going to have sudden fears that pop up. Or there's just going to be the constant reality in our life that when we look at our children, we really can't protect them. We really can't guarantee anything for them. We can't even guarantee our own next breath. So when you realize that, that's going to create great fear in you unless you know that there is a sovereign Lord over you who loves you. And that is my great confidence. You know, I've told this story before that I have been in a lot of very, very difficult places. Deep jungles, high mountains in the Andes with very violent people, bad people, dangerous places in the city and everything else. And I I pass through it. Not because I'm 
strong or quick-witted or street smart or some kind of military guy or know about the jungle. No, none of that. I was able to go through those things with confidence because I was with people who really knew what they were doing, who were really trustworthy. And so that gave me confidence to enter into those places because of the people around me. Now, now think how much greater that is with regard to God. Do you see? I mean, I have confidence, not because I know what's coming, but because he knows what's coming. But not only does he know what's coming, he's in control of it. And that is a great comfort. So he says, do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. Now look at 26. This is the key. Look at it. It's so beautiful. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. The Lord will be your confidence. Do you see that? Um, I want to read it in the NET, the New English Translation. For the Lord will be the source of your confidence. Um, We should be confident. That's not wrong. I've, I've met Christians who believe that it's somehow kind of pious not to be confident. We should be confident. It's not a matter of confidence. It's the matter of the source of your confidence. Are you confident because you're you think you're smart, are strong, are capable, are wise, are shrewd, or clever. Well, that's idolatry. And it's foolish. Or are you confident because the source of your confidence is this magnificent, all-sovereign, all-loving, all-righteous God? You see, that's why We can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, when Paul says that, I've seen people say that almost in a boastful, silly way. Because they're taking it out of context. I can do all the things within the will of God through Christ who strengthens me doesn't mean I can do carnal things, wicked things, sinful things, things that oppose the will of God. No. See, and do and, and you see, it, it all works together, doesn't it? I study the Word of God to know the will of God. You see that? And then I seek to do the will of God. And in that, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is going to strengthen me to do His will that He has revealed in His Word. So, if the Lord has called you to go to a certain school, that's His will for you to do a certain thing, then He will strengthen you to get through that if it's His will. If God has called you, uh, and one day probably will, to marry, it's His will for you to marry that girl, it's His will for you to marry that guy, then God, Christ, will strengthen you as you seek to carry out His will in that marriage. Ephesians 5. 
You see, in everything, all you see, we're servants. Let me put it in a, a better form. We're slaves. And a slave has really only a few things to worry about. Number one, what is my master's will? Number two, doing it. And then the master takes care of everything else. And so why can we lie down in this terrible world without fear? Only because we know our God and we know his word. And we know our God through his word. All right. Well, God bless you. We'll pick up from there. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.